the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, confidence men have always been attracted to religion, con men for sure, in general and Christianity as well. Why are confidence men, con men, attracted to religion and churches? Well, that's how we started yesterday's edition of Study Verse by Verse, and we got right down to the end of the program and didn't answer that question. (laughs) We ran out of time. I promise we'll pick up right where we left off, and you will hear the answer to that question. I'm Mike Trout. This is a broadcast called Study Verse by Verse. Our teacher is the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, Leighton Sheely. And you can find us on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. I think that confidence men know that there's a buck to be made, or whatever their agenda is, preying on people who are seeking God. People who are seeking God don't know God. They don't know where to find God. They're looking for somebody to help them find God. They're saying, well, somebody, please show me God. Show me to God. Introduce me to God. And these con men see an opportunity to step in and say, sure, I'll introduce you to God for a price, whatever that price would be. I think there's a second reason, and that is um, we're sheep. And we want to give, and we want to meet needs, and we want to be generous, and we want to bless the lives of other people. And then I think there's a third reason, and that is there's teachings that, that seem to constrain us as to what we should do. We're supposed to forgive. And not just forgive once, but forgive and forgive and forgive and These confidence men will take advantage of how many times we're able to forgive. And then 1 Corinthians 6, for instance, tells us we shouldn't take a Christian brother to court. And there's some misunderstanding about that because there's a real important word in that passage. We're not supposed to take each other to court over trivial issues. But confidence men have always preyed upon religions, Christianity included. They slip into the flock like wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, that worshipful experience, that atmosphere that should have befitted the temple, a place where you could sense God's presence, where it was filled with praise and prayers, was drowned out by the brawling of oxen, the bleeding of sheep, the cooing of of doves, and the loud haggling of vendors and their customers. So Jesus took swift and decisive action. He made a scourge of cords, a whip, probably used the cords that were used to tie down the animals. He drove all of the merchants out of the temple along with their sheep and oxen. In addition, he poured out all the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. Now, folks, that was an amazing feat for one man in the light of the resistance and the size of the crowd that was there. Have you ever looked up the size of the temple in Jerusalem? The, the sizes, it was an absolutely enormous structure, one of the wonders of the ancient world. The size of one of the courts was six football fields. 
The size of the entire thing is variously described as up to 29 football fields. That can hold a lot of people. There were a lot of people that were there that day. And Jesus single-handedly expelled tens of thousands of people that were crammed into that temple space. Now, people sometimes have a misconcept of Jesus. You look at some of the pictures of Jesus, and the guy looks kind of anemic. Now, that is not so. Jesus was not a wimp. Think about it. Jesus was a first-century carpenter. First century, before Sears and Craftsman and Power Tools, okay? First century. He built everything by hand. He was strong. He was tough. He was buff. And beyond his physical stature, he also had a commanding personality because he'd go up to strong, buff men and say, follow me. And they did. Everything about Jesus was strong and commanding. Now, his display of force would have created pandemonium in the temple court. You would have had animal sellers frantically chasing their beasts, which were going every which way. Money changers down on the ground trying to get their coins back that had all been intermingled on the floor. The people who were selling uh, doves hastily removing their cages and temple authorities trying to find out what was going on. Now, there were at least three reasons why Jesus acted the way that he did. Number one, he acted this way because God's house was being desecrated. His father's house was being desecrated. Now, worship without reverence is a terrible thing. A worship that's formalized and ritualistic or that doesn't recognize the holiness of God or worship in which neither the leader or the congregation is prepared or the use of the house of God for purposes that are against its intended function. Now, secondly, Jesus acted in this way to show us that animal sacrifice had become completely irrelevant. And the, and the, and the prophets of the Old Testament had been trying to communicate that for centuries. For instance, God, through his prophet Isaiah, said, What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. Bring no more vain offerings. Isaiah chapter 1. And then through Hosea, they love sacrifice. They sacrifice flesh and eat it, but the Lord has no delight in them. The writer of Psalm 51, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. I know that you don't delight in sacrifice. So there, there was this chorus of multiple prophetic voices telling men that what they were doing in sacrificing these animals was totally irrelevant. Jesus acted in the way that he did to show that no animal sacrifice can ever put a man right before God, right in the sight of God. Now, there's another reason why Jesus acted the way he did, and that insight is provided for us in the Gospel of Mark because he adds something to what Jesus says that's not found in the other Gospels. He said, my house shall be called the house of prayer for all nations, for all nations. Now, in order to understand and appreciate this, we need to have a concept of the temple design. There was a series of concentric courts or places where people met. The largest court, the outermost court, was the court of the Gentiles. And then 
Inside of that court was the court of the women. Now, that would be Jewish women. And then inside of that was the court of the Israelites. That would be Jewish men. And then inside of that was the court of the priests. That would be Jewish men who were priests. And so on and so forth until they got to the Holy of Holies, which was a place only one priest could visit one time a year. And so in these concentric courts, there was a sense of... Uh, of barriers between people and God. Now, all of this buying and selling was taking place in the outermost court, in the court of the Gentiles. It was the only place a Gentile could come if they wanted to worship God. If God was doing something in the heart of a Gentile, a Gentile is anybody who was not born Jewish, and they wanted to worship God, and they wanted to worship God in His temple in Jerusalem. The court of Gentiles was the only place they had. But the lowing of oxen, the bleeding of sheep, the cooing of doves, the shouts of the hucksters, the rattle of coin, the voices raised in disputes over bargaining, all combined to make this court of the Gentiles a place where no person could worship. It, it shut the Gentiles out who were seeking to worship God. Now, if there's anything in any church that shuts people out, it, it, should, it should not be there. Any kind of snobbishness or exclusiveness or coldness or unwelcome or arrogance shouldn't be there. Because God wants people to seek Him. God wants people to want to worship Him. God wants people to desire a relationship with Him. And Jesus gets angry when people discourage those who are seeking God. It shouldn't happen. Verse 17. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now the Jews then said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the Scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now, there was an immediate reaction to Jesus' activities, as you would expect. We have here described two of the reactions. The first of the reaction is the reaction of the disciples. When Jesus did what he did, the verse that came to their mind was from Psalm 69.9, which was a messianic prophecy. So they immediately recognized that what Jesus was doing was fulfilling a prophecy related to the Messiah, God's Savior. And there may have been other verses that also jumped to their mind as well. It might have been a verse such as that found in Malachi chapter 3. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will purify the sons of Levi. Now, the sons of Levi were those who were dedicated to full-time ministry in the temple. He will purify the sons of Levi till they present right offerings to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. So these kinds of verses no doubt came to the disciples as they recognized that what Jesus was doing was fulfilling messianic prophecies. And second, there was the reaction of the Jews. 
Now, you remember that Jesus said, do not make my father's house, my father's house, a house of trade. Now, Jesus' reference to God as his father was a declaration of Messiahship. Now, we take statements like sons of God or children of God uh, as for granted these days. But at the time of Jesus' day, the thought was absolutely radical that we could address the creator of the universe as Father. That was radical. You've been listening to the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely, Senior Pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and a study in the book of John, the second chapter talking about uh, Jesus cleansing the temple. We'll come back with the conclusion to this message tomorrow at this same time. I hope you can join us. I'm Mike Trout. If you'd like more information about us, you can find us on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And all the links that we have to the various social media platforms can be found right there as well. That's highlands.us. Have a blessed rest of your day. And join us tomorrow at this same time when we open the Word of God once again and study verse by verse. This program is sponsored by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno.